Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Alrighty, welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. Today we are very excited because we're we have a story episode and it's gonna be really good. Our guest just has a great light about her and I can tell she's just got some awesome things to share. So I'm super excited. We are joined by Cam today. Cam, do you wanna give a little introduction to yourself? I would love to. My name is Cameron Burrell. I'm from Hooper, Utah, which is close to Ogden. And I've grown up here most of my life, but I've lived in Kentucky when I was younger and just at different places in Utah. And I come from a big family, which who I love very much. I've got two nieces and two nephews, and they're just the light of my world. I love them to death. And I love doing anything with my friends. So we love going to concerts, doing things outside, camping, hiking, all of those things. And I am really grateful to be on this podcast today. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. How how big is the big family? Ooh, I think there's 15 of us. Oh my gosh. Wait, like like parents and then... 15 wait, wait, wait. with like in-laws, nieces, nephews. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, dang. <laughs> so 12, <laughs> 13 kids. Oh my gosh. Cool. That's so fun. Big families are fun. I got a big family too. They're awesome. They keep you busy. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, awesome. Well, then we'll just kind of jump right in. I, one of my favorite things is I have my guests kind of just fill out like a premise of what they want to make sure that we touch on before. And Cam put in a little like topics that she'd like to touch on. She's like, I, I want to share like my story, obviously, with pornography. But she's like, I really just want to focus on like the aftermath and, and like the recovery part of that. And I love that. I think that's um, really cool. I was going to tell her before we started, before we hit record, but then I was like, wait I gotta do this actually in the podcast it's like for me a lot of times like when there's been some instances where I'm like trying to tell my story just from kind of like a I guess like secular point of view right and like trying to not involve like Christ in the atonement Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it is so hard I find myself like tripping over my words all the time because I'm like I'm like like, I, I, I just find myself always trying to mention Christ because, like, that is just such a huge part of the story. And so I just, all that to say, I just love that that is such a huge part of your story. And I'm excited to hear. So enough talking oh, from you. me. <laughs> I want you to kind of just take the reins. Start just with, like, your story with pornography. And then we'll just kind of have a little conversation of what it was like afterwards. Okay, awesome. Well, If I'm being completely honest, I could hardly even tell you like when I was first exposed to pornography or when I first sought it out. I just know that I was young. I was younger than 14. And, and it was like, it was spotty here and there. And then this is something that you've mentioned on your podcast before, but as women, we tend to maybe justify our actions. Like, oh, it was just, it was just once like, it's okay. It's okay. And the adversary or Satan, I'll use those interchangeably, he likes to help us think that also. Like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You just messed up once or it's just a little bit. And so mm-hmm. for a while, it was just that I was, I I didn't understand the severity 
or I was ignoring the severity of what, of my actions. I wasn't taking responsibility for them. And then after a few years, I, I decided something needed to change because I, I honestly hated the feeling. Um, I, every time I would view or seek it out, it was that momentary satisfaction and, or that instant gratification as they call it. And then it was, and then it was gone and I was left lower than I was before, which Mm -hmm. I hated. And so I knew that I needed to, to change that to, to make something happen. And so I tried by myself, (laughs) which is foolish of me, but I tried for so long to, to fix it by myself, to like heal by myself and, mm-hmm. and overcome this, it by myself. This all sounds so familiar for <laughs> some reason. <laughs> but I tried for so long and I would, and I would do okay for maybe a few weeks, like maybe a few months and then boom, I was right. I was right back there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a vicious cycle of just discouragement and just feeling so bad about myself and, and leaving room for the adversary to, to influence me strongly to think that I am, I am worth nothing, mm-hmm. that I can't overcome this, that I'm too far, I'm too far gone, that there's no way out. There's no way out. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I thought for a long time when I was on my journey to overcome pornography. Mm-hmm. And wait, can I, sorry, already interrupt you for a second. I just thought like that when you're talking about the thoughts that the adversary puts in your head and when you were saying them out loud, they were all I am statements. And isn't that crazy? That is always how he attacks us, is he wants our identity, right? And he mm-hmm. he doesn't want he doesn't want us to just think, oh, I feel dirty or I feel shameful. He wants us to think I am dirty, right? And I am shameful. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was so interesting when you put that, because I was like, I I just know how that feels. Yes. And that's an interesting thought that you point that out because he uses that same, he, he wants to attack our bodies because that's something he doesn't have. And he wants us to feel as miserable as he does. And so he uses our bodies, which uses our, our passions and desires against us. Mm-hmm. And so that's oftentimes when we get some, some people might say tricked, everyone uses different words, tricked or influenced into using pornography mm-hmm. for the first few times. And then it can become an unhealthy habit or an addiction, which is a different road for everyone but I think you're so right he he wants us mm-hmm. he wants our bodies yes so that's awesome 100 percent. that's awesome <laughs> but after after a long time I I knew I just couldn't do it by myself and so I met with one of my bishops that I had known for so long since I was little um which I like how on this podcast you ask about how it was like meeting with the bishop because Everyone has such different experiences meeting with the bishop. Um, But all in all, the bishop is to stand there as um, a mediator of sorts between you and repentance. He's just there to help set you on the path. And that's exactly what my bishop did. Is he just pointed me in the right direction and me and Jesus teamed up and I got through it. We, I overcame it and it was still a rocky road. I'm still not perfect, obviously, but I was able to overcome it and do you do you know if if there was anything specific in like your experience with the bishop either something that he did say or maybe something that he didn't say that was like impacted you specifically in that way that's a good question 
I think the biggest thing is that I was met with just the greatest amount of love. Like, absolute, just like pure love from him, which came from the Savior. That's the bishop is able to work under Jesus Christ's keys. That's the power and authority that he has, mm-hmm. is to work under Christ's keys with the priesthood from God. And so I was just met with so much love that in use of pornography, that is robbed from you. You you don't feel love. Your your vision and view of love gets so distorted that you you don't understand what it's like to love, what it's like to feel loved. And of course, that's different scales for everyone. But for me, it just was so I couldn't comprehend or understand why anyone would would love me or yeah. would love me unconditionally, even though I've I've made mistakes or I've messed up. And so yeah. for me, that it just changed it all when he when I would tell him and other things I was repenting for, I would tell him and he just, he just smiled at me and said, I am glad you're here. And it was just love. So I think that was the biggest change for me. I love that. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. And then throughout my life, I like, I wasn't using pornography and I haven't for years, which is, (laughs) which is, Great, it's good of me to say like for myself but it's it's an everyday battle totally. like it's still it's still a struggle yeah um, and I think that, that I think that is like one of the biggest things to acknowledge about like like I'm fairly open about this but I have like pretty strong opinions on like not using the term addict, at least for myself, just because I think that it takes away our agency. And I think that that's one of the things that is focused on a ton. Like when looking at these addiction programs, they focus a lot on like sobriety, right? And like the number of days sober. But for me, like, I mean, it's like the more you focus on it, the more you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Where you focus on, it's like if someone's like, hey, don't think of like a purple elephant right now, you're going to think of a purple elephant, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I just think that's so interesting. And, and also the fact that it is like a daily battle, right? Like it's, it's just as important to be like super... I guess like cautious about it and just like proactive about it on maybe day one of quote unquote sobriety versus like day 90. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just love that. And it totally completely is daily and you have to be active about it. It's not a passive thing. Mm-hmm. Cause the second we let guard, let down our guards, Satan's on it. Totally. Like he's just waiting. He's waiting for that second or that moment or that minute that we're going to, we're going to cave in. Totally. So he's ready to jump. Like he doesn't rest. The adversary never rests. He just, he's sitting there waiting for us. And so yeah. what we, I like that your phrase, sisters on the front line, like we are on the front line. It's a battle every single day totally. and we're fighting every single day against the adversary, which is, it is a, a possible victory, which I think that for me, when I was battling pornography at such a young age, that was something I didn't really understand is that it was something that I actually could overcome, Yeah. but it wasn't something I could overcome by myself. I needed Jesus to do it. I could like, I thought I could do it by myself for so long, but I needed Jesus to yes. be able to overcome it. And I'm still overcoming it, which yes. I'm grateful to say, but it's, it's still a work in progress. 
That's so good. And yeah, and the great thing is like a work in progress is an awesome place to be. Like mm-hmm. progressing is awesome and learning and failing and trying and doing like that's exactly what we're sent here to do. And when you were saying like, you know, as soon as I wholeheartedly agree with this, as soon as we let our guard down, right? Like Satan is there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's true. And like, oh, that's so exhausting. Right. But then I kind of like remembered, I was like, I don't know what the scripture is. You probably know because you have like the missionary scripture. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like coming to me and I will like provide you rest or like, do you know that? What is the exact? Yes. I think it's in Matthew 11. Come unto me I, all you that labor and are heavy laden. <laughs> and I will give you rest. And yeah. that, I like that you point that out because that's one of the scriptures that I would use on my mission and the church uses to teach covenants which is when you make a two-way promise with Heavenly Father saying, I'm going to dedicate my life to you. I'm going to give all I can to you. And he's going to back us up. He's going to be there for us. He's going to give us his spirit. And that's what makes it so much easier to fight every single day, to be on the front line, is when you have made those covenants, which happen at baptism and at other milestones later on in life. But those covenants is what makes it possible for you to actually fight against the adversary yeah I love and that is like such a I had never understood that thought honestly like I had heard people say like oh like obey the commandments like it'll make your life easier or like keep your covenants it'll make your life easier and I'm like what bro no it doesn't and then like and then you start disobeying and you're like wait a second (laughs) right but it like absolutely does like all of our all of the commandments and all of the covenants that we are like commanded to keep are there for a reason and they're there to like make us free to access as much agency as possible right like it's i don't know that's just a crazy thought to me and like a lot of times i think the world paints it in a very backwards way right mm-hmm. and so like to see it that way is just it's so wonderful and to actually experience that oh my gosh it's so good. <laughs> yes, that, that's when the truest joys of the gospel can be released, totally. is when you are keeping the commandments because you love God. Not keeping the commandments in fear of what will happen if you don't keep the commandments, but yeah. you are keeping the commandments and you are honest and true to your covenants because you love God. You love who God is. You love what he does in your life. You love his character and his nature. And once, which it takes a minute, it doesn't like, it doesn't just like the blink of an eye. I, I love God and I'm perfect at keeping my commandments and covenants and all of that. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's a growth. It's something that, that you gain over time with study of the scriptures and attending yeah. church and attending the temple. It, it's something that grows. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I, I don't know who I heard say this, but someone was talking about like the progression of like kids into adults and they're talking about how like parents teach their kids at least like in LDS cultures and in Christian cultures like to you know obey these commandments and to like follow these rules and the kids do sometimes just like follow it blindly right and then I'm like I'm like well like should we really be doing that like are we just forcing this on kids but then like you think about it like they don't have as much knowledge and you know as much capacity to understand Mm -hmm. why and then they grow up and And I think everybody has to go through that process of figuring out, like, 
if they're going to follow commandments and if like for the right reasons, right? And so that sparked a question that I was going to ask you. Like, I think a lot of people have that switch of following commandments out of fear versus following commandments out of love. How did that switch happen for you? Understood. When I began to understand what, who I was to God and what God wanted for me in life, I think that's when I, that's when my actions started to more align with his will is when, when I started to understand that I was a, I was a chosen daughter of God. We all are that we, we are chosen daughters of a loving heavenly father. And he wants us to enjoy the blessings of physical intimacy within the bonds of matrimony. He wants us to, to be with someone that loves and cherishes their covenants also. So when I knew that that is what he wanted for me, then I was like, oh, okay. That's why I should steer clear of pornography and blank and blank. Like that is wise because he wants what's best for me and he wants endless joy, eternal, eternal joy for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't I hope that's a good answer. To yes, that that's a wonderful answer. That's a wonderful answer. Yeah, I think that's that's what it boils down to is just like understanding the why, right? And I mean, like it goes for like every commandment, right? Like it's like the word of wisdom. Like he doesn't want us to follow that so that we can't like enjoy you know, we can't just stuff ourselves with sugar and everything every day, right? Like, he doesn't want to take that pleasure away from us. He has, like, a greater joy in mind, right? Like, he wants our bodies to be physically able to be able to play with our friends and our kids and be active and enjoy the world mm-hmm. that he created. And, like, when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, he really did provide all of these out of love none of this was like oh god was just on a power trip right (laughs) like Mm -hmm. not at all he just he wants us to be able to experience joy and be able to grow into what he is and Mm -hmm. be able to experience that fullness of joy which i just i agree so cool i agree and when you can recognize that especially if listeners are in the battle of pornography right now if you can recognize that then knowing that you will be received with such great love when you decide to make changes that like that makes such a big difference it's like a motivation for me knowing that even if i make mistakes or i mess up heavenly father will still greet me with so much love and that jesus's love never never left that is something that is always constant it's quite literally unconditional no matter what you do or don't do his love is always there for you and that love is life-saving the greatest act of love quite literally saved our lives spiritually and then later on will be physically when we can um, be resurrected and so he that that love for us is so constant that if you can understand that and begin to experience it it it's just it aids you in overcoming it's strengthening and empowering yeah oh I love that I want to ask what like you I mean I can just tell by like all of your comments you have such an amazing understanding of like Jesus Christ and the atonement and such a great relationship with him. But I'm taking a wild guess that it wasn't always like that, right? Mm -hmm. At least for me, my understanding of God completely changed when I went through like my repentance process, like surrounding pornography. And I mean, it's still changing to this day. I'm understanding more of his nature and like getting to know him more. But how do you think that like, what do you think are the biggest changes that you saw 
in your relationship with Christ and in your understanding of Christ? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think in terms of my relationship with Jesus Christ is I began to, to take him for what he actually is. He is my savior and my redeemer and he is my best friend and I can take him as that. And so I began to rely on him as my savior and I began to, to rely on him as my best friend. And so what, and that was just little tiny steps. Like that was just like trusting him one day saying, this is really hard. And then feeling a little bit of hope and strength from Jesus. Like that was, that was step one. Like, and it just, and it grew step by step, which is very, very little um, throughout even like years, years of time, I would say. For when I was a senior in high school is when I would say it really started to grow for me. And that's when I, it's when I started to study him deeper in the scriptures. And when I started to seek it out for myself, who Jesus Christ was and what his atonement means for me in my life. And then I would say my biggest and I'd say most joyful experience with the atonement of Jesus Christ is when I was on my mission. And I mentioned this in my article that's in the Liahona and the Young Adult Weekly. I mentioned that I was still suffering from the effects of pornography. And if anyone else is recovering from the use of pornography, they probably can understand that it doesn't, it doesn't just go away when you stop using pornography. It's not, it's not completely rid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite understand that at first. And it, it kind of, it confused me and it was discouraging to me of why I had, I had repented. I was, I was doing my best. I was, I was on a mission. Like I was serving the Lord every day. I was wearing Christ's name on my chest. Like, why am I still, why am I still not whole is what my, Mm. what my fear was. And I would read in the scriptures about Jesus Christ healing people and saying, thy faith hath made thee whole. And that was all I wanted in life. That like that moment of Jesus Christ healing me and making me whole and making me clean. And so I had a, a, interview with my mission president and I expressed to him these worries and there was nothing that I like that I needed to repent of or anything that I was like doing necessarily wrong but I just was frustrated and I was so I would just I just was sad I felt like I was I was missing a piece of the fullness of the atonement and he read to me the story of the people of the book of mormon when they buried their weapons and he told, he told me, he said, Sister Burl, you've buried your weapons. Leave them there. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to just leave them. I, I kept trying to be like, well, are they still there? Like, I got to make sure they're still buried. I kept, kept wanting to peek or to rebury them. And he just said, just leave your weapons there. And then it, later in the story, this is in Alma 24, um, it says that, through the, the blood and mercy of the sun where the swords made clean. And he read that to me and I, I was in tears. And I was like, I, I know, I knew that through Jesus Christ, I could become clean. Yeah. And then he offered me a priesthood blessing, which is when him as a priesthood holder can speak words from Heavenly Father to me. And in that blessing, he 
it's a very, very sacred experience for me, but he, he helped me understand that I, that I was made whole and that I was made clean and that those, that feeling might not come right now. And that it's a thing that might come over time. It might come in the next life, but that I was, I was made whole and I was made clean. And that was my biggest, like, I felt like I was on cloud nine after that. Like I can't even explain anything that felt better than that moment. Like the rest of the day, I was like, I need to go teach everyone about the atonement of Jesus Christ now. Like, this is so good. I want everyone to feel like this. And so that was my, that was how my relationship with Jesus Christ really grew. Hmm. And now I know without a doubt that no matter what I do or don't do, like there's always a path back. Like there's no such thing as being too far, whether you're a girl or a guy that uses pornography, whether you've used it or whether you haven't, like there's no such thing as being too far. I know it feels like it sometimes, but I can promise that there's no such thing as that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that is like, like you talking about your experience, like you, you didn't you're like I didn't have anything necessarily to like repent of but I just was still feeling that and like that his response of like you've buried your weapons like I think that's just so beautiful because I think that is one of the hardest things about repentance is how do you forgive yourself right <laughs> you're like not even <laughs> and like oh my gosh and just hearing that I think is wonderful and I think um I'm totally going to butcher the way that someone said this and I hope it doesn't come across wrong, but I remember, I think it might've been Brad Wilcox talking about like forgiving yourself and talking about how like, it's almost like, it's almost like selfish to not forgive yourself after you have been forgiven by the atonement. And I, again, I hope that isn't taken the wrong way. It's like, oh, well, shoot, there's another thing I got (laughs) to, you know, like, but what that really is saying is like, don't like put more, more barriers on, like onto your progress than you already have to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like you have been forgiven. I just, oh, I think that's wonderful. I have another question that it just like, it's kind of a random question, but it kept coming up into my mind. Um, What do you think the difference is between being whole and being perfect? Mm. That's a cool question. I think being perfect or being perfected in Christ is something that we literally cannot attain in this life um, because we're immortal. But that's the point of being mortals is that we make mistakes and that we are imperfect so that we can understand and recognize how bad we need the atonement of Jesus Christ. And how much we need God and Jesus Christ in our lives. And being whole. The, I, I studied that for so long, Maddie. I hope I can like, like for months and months of my mission, I was like, I studied just the word being whole and like cleansed and, and, and perfect. And it's just, I like to think of it as a touch of Jesus in my life is that's what it was to to be made whole and to be made clean. And the woman with the issue of blood that it, it talks about in the Gospels, but my favorite account is in Mark 5, all she did was touch Christ's garment. And it says that virtue went from him to her, which is power. So his power went from himself. He could feel it leave and then go to her. 
And we have that same opportunity to to receive his power. And so I think being made whole, being cleansed, and eventually becoming perfected is just having Jesus in your life, like just being touched by Jesus. I love that. That was a perfect answer. A whole answer. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great. Okay, I want to, before we, like, jump into the last two questions, I'm curious, are there any, like, things on your mind that you feel like you just, they need to be said before we jump Mm. into the last two? If not, I could probably talk about this for, like, hours. (laughs) (laughs) Which you get to, which is so awesome. It's like a podcast (laughs) I know. It's actually great. I always, like, say, man, like, I mean, this is, like, cool for the listeners, I guess. But, like, I'm really just having a good time here. (laughs) No, it's awesome. It's so fun. (laughs) Uh, Anything else to touch on? I think understanding which comes with time, I think understanding Satan's influence in your life can be one of your biggest aids against him. Mm -hmm. So like knowing the other team's playbook before going into the game, you have a greater advantage. Mm -hmm. And so when we know how Satan can get to us, then you have greater advantage, which is different for me than it is for you, Maddie. Like Mm -hmm. Satan, an adversary, tempts me and can discourage me in different ways than he can get to you. Yeah. And so I think understanding, which the Holy Ghost is your greatest aid in understanding how the adversary gets to you. Yeah. And the Holy Ghost is your greatest aid against the adversary. He'll be the greatest indicator of whether your actions are compliant with God's will or not. And there's a quote in Preach My Gospel. I can't remember who it's by, but it says, that no one ever makes a mistake without first being prompted by the Holy Ghost. Like to to not do it, to to do something else other than that. And so he that's his number one job is is to stand as one of our protectors and a messenger from Heavenly Father to us. And so yeah. I would say understanding maybe understanding your weaknesses, maybe, is yeah. where I'm going with that. Totally. Understanding your weaknesses so that you can utilize the Holy Ghost to its fullest effect and he can help you with that. Totally. I think that is so key. I was even like, this is just for the listeners, like even before we started recording, like the very first thing I asked Cam is, so I'm right now, I'm about three weeks from leaving on my mission and everyone had told me before and they're like, you got to watch out like that last little bit before you leave on your mission the adversary just like attacks you like crazy and so I was just telling her I was like I was like I think it's happening (laughs) you know like (laughs) I think he started like attacking me because I and it's interesting because it's in ways that I haven't like felt his influence before and it's just kind of this whole thing with just like all of my beliefs and it's like man like where do we even go now but what's so interesting is like the thing that gave him less power and I like felt less power was just acknowledging that I knew that it was him. Right. Mm -hmm. And like separating that, like all of these thoughts of like, Oh my gosh, like who am I? Like, what do I believe anymore? And like acknowledging that like, okay, like this, this doesn't necessarily tie back to my identity. I think is huge. And I think that that's not just a, 
like that's not just a scenario that is helpful for me I think that's applicable to like anything I think that's applicable to pornography I think that's applicable to you know any any type of sin or anything that you're trying to get out of your life it's just being able to like acknowledge that and basically what I'm saying is practice the idea of like mindfulness and just allow those thoughts to pass and watch them pass kind of like from a third person perspective which is like a hard skill to develop but it's one of the coolest and most useful skills you can develop I like that you said that you this is what I got from it is that you don't take ownership of those thoughts Mm -hmm. which that you utilize your agency one of the greatest gifts God has given us to to conquer Satan you're saying like you he he can't do anything he can't do anything to you he can, he can try, he mm-hmm. can be there, he can try to influence you, but you, you ultimately have all of the power, you have the decision, you have the say of what happens. And so, which is very, very difficult to understand, especially when in use of pornography, Yeah, because it's such, it's a, it's something that isolates you, that leads you to secrecy and to poor self-esteem and it makes you feel weak and makes you feel discouraged. Like that's, it's one of the fastest traps is beginning to use pornography. It can happen faster than we like blink of an eye. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Like, how did this happen? I don't like this. I want something to change. And so understanding that, that those aren't, that's not us. Our mistakes don't define us who like what we've done wrong isn't, isn't a stain that's going to stay with us forever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's like the biggest, like Brene Brown puts it like perfectly, the difference between like shame and guilt. Um, sh- like guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. Right. And so I think that's so applicable. Like I literally think of that as like gospel right there. Like mm-hmm. I think that, that is so applicable because pornography all the time tries to like inflict shame and just like we talked about at the beginning like it creates those I am statements right and so when we're able to like again we're not trying to like suppress those emotions but when when we're able to like just view those emotions as just fleeting things right and I mean we talked about it in I I have no idea what episode number it is but it's with Cassie Hulse and she talks about facing the wave right like when you're if you're on a boat and you turn to the side and there's a big wave coming, that wave is going to capsize you. But if you face it head on and you just ride over that wave, then you're going to be able to make it over. And so I think that's kind of the same thing with like these big, heavy emotions that pornography faces us with. And I think also one of the greatest things and one of the greatest bits of knowledge that we have being religious is that we don't have to face that alone, right? Like in in us, like facing that wave, that scary wave on that boat, we've also got someone steering the ship with us and that's Jesus Christ, right? And he's right alongside us, walking us through everything. Um, So long as we take the opportunity to do that. I like that. That reminds me of the, the story of Peter walking on the water to Jesus Christ. Because when he's in the boat and everyone sees this figure on the water, at first they're afraid. They're like, what is that? Is it a spirit? Like they, they don't even know. And then Peter calls out to him and says, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And so he expresses faith 
He's like, if that is you, then tell me to come to you, which is showing his faith. And it's showing that Peter is acknowledging Christ's power, that Christ can help him walk on the water. So he expresses faith, acknowledges who Jesus Christ is, and then he takes a step, which is the hardest, like the hardest thing. But one of your episodes talks about like the second of courage, when you can have that second of courage and just step out, just, just start going, take that one act of faith. He then gets to Jesus Christ. Yes, he does look away for a second. He does falter. He gets distracted. He, he feels fear. We're not quite sure what Peter was feeling in that moment, but he started to sink. But Jesus, it says in scripture, Jesus immediately reached out to save him, but he made it to Jesus Christ with having faith, knowing who Jesus is and just acting, just walking in that faith. He made it to him. It was a rocky road. It wasn't smooth sailing. He was still in a storm. He was still probably scared of the storm, but he knew that if he kept his eyes and his focus on Christ the whole time, that he would make it. And he did. Absolutely. That also reminds me. And one of, this was also Brad Wilcox. Brad Wilcox is just, he's just my idol, honestly. (laughs) He was, in one of our classes, he was talking about this story of, I can't remember exactly where he was, but basically there was this big storm and it was really scary. And he remembers that someone prayed that like the storm would stop. And then he remembers like hearing this thought or this prompting that sometimes God will calm the storms around us, but sometimes God will calm the storm inside of us instead. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to put it because I mean, I mean, we talked about earlier, right? Like covenants make our our lives easier, but our lives aren't necessarily going to be easy by any means, right? Like yeah. it's not going to take away the hard things and the hard things are actually great things. And like, that's exactly what we're meant here, meant to come here to do is to face those hard things, but to face those hard things with, with Christ so that we can learn alongside of him. Um, anyway, and there, I, there was one more thing that reminded me of, but I can't remember the, it just reminded me of like the picture of like depicting Christ, like reaching into the water. I think that that is, oh my gosh, that is just one of like the most wonderful pictures ever because I think that I know while I was struggling with pornography, you think that that hand is reaching for everyone else but you, right? And it's such an, you just, you literally feel like the exception to the atonement, especially like, I mean, not to exclude men at all. I know that men feel this way too, but especially being a woman and kind of having that extra layer of shame, like I literally just thought, okay, cool, that atonement thing is awesome, but like, what do I do, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so like learning that, nope, like that hand is meant for you. And like, if you're listening to this podcast, like that hand is meant for you, right? I just think that's one of the most powerful things to understand. Oh, I love that. I think that's so huge to know that it's that hand is for you and it's it's waiting for you too. That Jesus is he is anxiously awaiting your arrival. He is so excited for the day that that you that you choose to make a difference in your life, to make a change. And he's not gonna be like, geez, Cam, that took you so long. <laughs> like, geez, Cam, why did why did you mess up three times before you came to me? Like, he's not gonna, he will never. I, I can promise you that he will never say that. 
if anything, he'll just, he'll greet you with love. He will, you'll feel accepted. You'll feel loved and motivated and encouraged to continue on. That's, it's what he does best. He's a man of change and a man of love. And so he will help you on your road to change, but he will never, he'll never leave you. Like the footsteps poem. If you haven't heard it, Google it. But yeah. <laughs> he, he walks with us the whole time, even when we can't see it. And so he is, he is always there. He is. He is. And he is a man of change. I love that. Okay, I want to jump into the final two questions. So very first question, what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography? It's a good question. What keeps me on the front line of the war against pornography is that it's so, so real. And it's so threatening to, to who we are as children of God as daughters of a loving Heavenly Father. It is so threatening and so damaging that I wouldn't want a single soul to go through what what I had gone through, like to, to feel what I have felt. And it's so, Satan is only going to, to up his tactics to only get stronger. And so that's why we as women and even as men need to join together to combat the use of pornography, which you've mentioned this in your other episodes. It can, it starts in the home. It starts at, in your classes at church. It can even be cultivated in friend groups. Like I've found since, since I've published my article about this, it was the first time I had ever told anyone like mm-hmm. other than my bishop about my use of pornography. And I've had some of my closest friends reach out to me and say, Hey, me too. Yeah. Like I, me too. Like I felt the same thing. I almost was in the exact same situation. I just was too scared to say anything. I just have been too scared to reach out. And so we, it just needs to be talked about more when it's talked, like what you said, what you mentioned about acknowledging satan's influence in your life you have more power over him when you do and so i what keeps me on the front line is that it's it's so real it's so serious and it's not something to to think light of and that it is something that we can overcome it is a battle worth fighting because it's a battle that we're going to win so we might as well give our all fighting doing it 100 percent. oh I love it. Amen. I have no other words other than just (laughs) amen. That was just so beautifully said. Final question. What would you say to a young girl? And you can either just think of some young girl or you can think of yourself struggling with pornography. What would you say to a young girl struggling with pornography right now? A lot of the things I would say to a young girl struggling with pornography is things that we've said already today. Um, I would tell them that it is, that they're not stuck, that they, this is, that it's not who they are and that they're not stuck in their use of pornography. It feels like it sometimes, but that they're not stuck and that Jesus Christ is helping them through it. Like currently as we speak, he is, he is helping you through it and that his atonement which that word I don't use lightly, the 
suffering and death and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ can save us. And it will. We've already been saved because of his resurrection. We've been saved physically, but we have the opportunity and chance to partake of it and then receive that, that spiritual wholeness, the, the perfection, the cleansing. Like it is, it is for you. It's quite literally for you. He, he was in that garden. He thought of you and he felt you. He, he felt what it feels like to be, to be in the midst of pornography right now. And for those that are recovering, he knows what it's like to recover. He knows that it's an upward battle. He, Jesus knows. That's what I would say to a young girl because Jesus knows. He knows you. He knows your struggles and, and, and he knows how to help you out of it. Yeah. I love that. That's powerful. <laughs> and I mean, like, I'm sure this is the same for you, but just that whole time I was thinking, like, I can't imagine, like, 13-year-old me <laughs> hearing that right and so yeah. i hope that that does reach some 13 year old you somewhere oh, oh i know it will it will somewhere <laughs> and you for listeners you probably mentioned or noticed cam mentioned a couple times she has an article posted in the it's the ya weekly right it's in the young adult weekly and in the liahona liahona okay perfect okay so that will be linked in the show notes if anyone is interested in reading it and you definitely should it's awesome that's actually i didn't mention at the beginning which i thought about the whole time i was like dang that's that's how i found cam i just like i read it and i was like oh my gosh this woman is amazing and i went found her (laughs) name looked her up and i was like dude and here we are (laughs) here we are here we are but yeah seriously thank you so much cam for coming on i appreciate your time and all your wonderful insights of course thank you for having me yeah and listeners thank you so much for listening if you have a story to share please reach out on to me on instagram at sisters on the front lines or via email at sisters on the front lines at gmail.com please remember that Jesus knows you and he loves you. And so please talk to him. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and give the podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify so we can reach more young women, parents, and leaders. And until next episode, keep up the good fight on the front lines.